Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. It is Monday, March 12th, 2018, and we are coming to you live following Selection Sunday. It is uh, Selection Monday, I don't even know what to call it, but <laughs> it's the uh, the day following Selection Sunday here of leading into the 2018 NCAA Tournament. And we are going to go into full bracket mode. We have uh, two of our writers on to join us this evening, um, Josh and uh, Justin. Uh, Josh, how's it going tonight? It's pretty good, Thomas. You know, after 10 days off from the Big Ten tournament, we, we finally have basketball on Thursday and uh, cannot be more excited. So thanks for having me. Excellent. And uh, we also have Justin on our site. Uh, Justin, I think this is your fir- po- first podcast with us. Um, so why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and, uh, yeah, how are things going for you? Uh, it's going good. Um, my name's Justin. I'm a sophomore at Michigan State. I've uh, been writing for uh, you guys at BT Powerhouse for pretty much the full basketball season this year and been uh, getting a lot of good experience and uh, having a lot of fun doing it. Excellent. Well, happy to have you here. We have a a roundtable discussion, so to speak, uh, for the next little bit. Um, let, let's just jump into it. Um, before uh, we get to Selection Sunday, um, I, I just want to start with, um, is there any final thoughts you guys have on the regular season, uh, the Big Ten in general, Big Ten tournament, um, before we jump into the actual bracket itself? Any takeaways? Uh, Josh, we'll start with you. Yeah, um... Thomas, I think we kind of had this discussion in December or maybe even early January. We thought that there were four Big Ten teams that were going to make the tournament. Uh, It turned out that both Nebraska and Penn State had opportunities down the stretch, were unable to take advantage of those. Um, And it's kind of interesting because uh, Michigan is obviously the hottest team after after winning the Big Ten tournament. Um, But I think you know, it's pretty remarkable that you could say that three of the four Big Ten teams, including Purdue and Michigan State, actually have a shot to make it to San Antonio. Um, we'll get into it a little bit. I think Ohio State faltered a bit down the stretch, and uh, teams kind of started to figure them out. But uh, but the other three teams uh, are playing phenomenal basketball right now, and it's pretty awesome that even in a, in a year where the Big Ten only gets four bids, three of those actually have a legit shot to make the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, how about you? Any final thoughts as far as the Big Ten season goes uh, and just coming into Selection Sunday? Uh, yeah, there wasn't really any surprises for me in terms of, like, the seeding or anything about that with uh, with all the Big Ten teams. I will say, uh, in terms of the Big Ten season, um, one final thought I would have is uh, the down years for Minnesota and Northwestern. Both those teams were really supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, probably in the top five at the end of the year. And I was at Madison Square Garden for the tournament. And one moment out of basketball that really caught my eye was uh, at the end of the Northwestern and Penn State game when Brian McIntosh came off the floor for the final time. You just see the emotion on his face, how much heart and soul he put into that program and really left his stamp on that program. And uh, having his senior year and not the way we all expected, that was pretty, uh, pretty surreal. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I throw Nate Mason in that mix as well for Minnesota. I mean, outstanding career, you know, certainly going to go down as one of the better gopher players of all time and obviously not the way they want it to go out. But of course, 
uh, plenty of off season to talk about what happened with the, uh, the, the struggling teams in the big 10. Um, but we are coming off selection Sunday. The bracket is official Four big 10 teams. Make it, as you mentioned, all are actually a five seed or higher, um, which is certainly impressive. Um, let's just start with overall impressions of the bracket um, of where the big 10 teams landed. Um, Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, any major takeaways you had? Yeah. Um, coming from the Michigan perspective, I thought it was really interesting. And I wrote a little bit about this, that the Michigan fans and media and pundits on Twitter uh, felt that Michigan deserved a higher seed or a higher placement than Michigan state. Um, and I found it was kind of interesting that Michigan state who ended up being the ninth uh, seeded team and Michigan ended up being the 11th team. So Michigan state got preference in Detroit and Michigan uh, got shipped out to Wichita. But I think for Michigan fans, you have to be pleased with the fact that you don't have to play. Um, you don't have to play Kansas and you don't have to play Duke in your region until presumably until the championship. It wouldn't even be the final four. So I know obviously location wise, it's frustrating, but um, for Michigan, with the fact that uh, North Carolina, Xavier, and Gonzaga, I think all very good but all beatable teams. Um, I think you have to be sitting feeling pretty good. Um, there was a bit of a gripe about Houston, the fact that Houston's a pretty good six seed, um, and we can get into Michigan's draw a little bit more specifically, but um, I think that Michigan actually ended up with a more favorable draw than Michigan State, even though MSU ended up in Detroit. Okay. Okay. Um, Justin, any big takeaways for you? Um, and we'll certainly dive into each team, uh, <laughs> team by team here afterwards. Yeah, that, that was pretty much on par what I was thinking. Uh, I wrote that in our, in our round table discussion that, uh, after I saw the draw, I think Michigan has pretty much a cakewalk to San Antonio, in my opinion. Wow. Uh, I know they got beat up by North Carolina at the beginning of the year, but that was way before Michigan, found themselves as a team and defensively the way they are now. Uh, I can see them getting past North Carolina pretty easily, in my opinion. And then uh, me being a Michigan State fan, I saw last night uh, all the ESPN guys picking Michigan State to get to the Final Four. And uh, I just see it being too tough to get past Duke, who won. That's pretty much the the major puzzle on uh, Tom Izzo's uh, Hall of Fame resume that he has not been able to figure out and then having to go against Kansas right after that. So I, I unfortunately me being a Michigan state fan can't see that happening. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, my, my big takeaway was kind of what Josh was talking about earlier. And just the fact, uh, I think you have three big 10 teams that are viable final four candidates. Um, you know, you start with Purdue, who is the highest seeded team in the big 10. There are two seed in the East. Frankly, I, I would be surprised. I know we'll get to each team later, but I'd be surprised if they didn't make the Elite Eight uh, at this point. Um, you start with them. You get Michigan State, who is, a, I believe they're like fifth on Ken Palm at this point. Um, okay, they're sixth, so I, a little off, but um, they're sixth on Ken Palm. Uh, they look like they have, uh, you know, they're going to have essentially home court advantage for the first two rounds. Um, things do get very tough after that, as you've mentioned, likely with Duke and Kansas. But, you know, if you get in the seat, Sweet 16, you got a fighter's chance at least. Um, and then, of, of course, Michigan, as both you guys have said, you know, they're hot, just won the Big Ten tournament. Um, they look like uh, 
you know, I, I think, um, and I'll get to this later, but I think they kind of have the inverse of Michigan State where the first two rounds could be very tough, um, but maybe things are a little bit easier later on. You know, they get Xavier, who's probably the weakest one seed on paper um, of the bracket. So uh, I, I thought that was my big takeaway was that, you know, there are three teams here that are going to have a legit shot. Now, will all three make it? Probably not. Could all three miss? Certainly possible. Um, but that was the big takeaway I had. Um, additionally, you know, we'll get to each section here a little bit later, but um, I just thought the quality of the top 12 seeded teams, so I'm talking one seeds, two seeds, and three seeds, um, were really impressive this year. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with the one seeds being a little bit weaker than normal. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Michigan's a three seed. Michigan State's a three seed. Um, those those teams do not strike me as a typical uh, three seed. And specifically the Spartans who, you know, as I just talked about, they're sixth on Ken Palm, which would imply that they were at least a two seed, uh, again, in the advanced stats. Um, so I, I just think it's that's going to lead to a lot of great matchups as we go further on in the tournament and could really lead to uh, maybe some surprising teams make it. But those were my big uh, or two big takeaways, but um, I do want to start um, and hopefully you, you both have your brackets in front of you, or at least kind of remember uh, what's going on. Um, you know, big 10 teams are in three of the four regions. I'm going to save the last region with no big 10 teams, which is the South for last. Um, I want to start with the East, uh, which is per, has Purdue, the highest seeded Big Ten team. The number one team, excuse me, the number one seed in this region is Villanova. Uh, the three seed is Texas Tech. Um, Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think about Purdue's spot? You know, they're opening with Cal State Fullerton on Friday, and then likely, uh, you know, well, not likely, they get Arkansas or Butler over the weekend. Um, what did you make of Purdue's seed? Uh, what do you make of the region, and what do you think about their chances of making the Final Four? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the two seed was fair. <clears throat> um, the interesting thing with Purdue is, I feel like they pretty much have almost a cakewalk, uh, not to use Justin's word, to the Elite Eight. Um, I haven't watched a ton of Texas Tech this year, but to be honest, they don't seem like one of those teams. I know they're not particularly big. They're good defensively, but I think that Purdue has enough guards and wings. Um, I mean, if I'm a Purdue fan, Arkansas and Butler don't immediately strike fear. I've heard that Daniel Gaffer, the Arkansas center, might be able to stop Haas. But, you know, you can prepare for as many centers as you want, but until you've played 7-3-300, there's nothing to really prepare you for what it's like to play Haas. Um, I mean, I could see UCLA, Florida, even St. Bonaventure actually making it out and playing Purdue in the Sweet 16. I'm not sure which of those teams is going to go through. Um, But it seems like it's setting up for a Villanova-Purdue game in the Elite Eight in Boston. Um, It's it's not in Philadelphia, but it's close enough to Philly that I know there's going to be a ton of, of Villanova fans. The question is, you're going to have two completely contrasting styles. Purdue, <clears throat> who likes to play a little bit bigger, obviously who has Haas. Um, but then I think the wings kind of match up pretty evenly. Um, you know, you've got a guy like Vince Edwards and, and, uh, and Carson Edwards, and, and Villanova's got a plethora of guards. They have uh, Mikhail Bridges and Jalen Brunson. Um, they even have guys like Omari Spellman and Pascal down low. 
Um, if Purdue is able to take advantage of Haas and Haas can have a monster game, Villanova has absolutely no answer for somebody inside like him. But I love the fact, and I think you might even see Purdue go small in this matchup um, and maybe kind of mix it up a bit. Um, my feeling is I don't know whether they're good enough to beat Villanova. They've beaten some very good teams this year. Um, but it would be a major disappointment from a Purdue perspective if they didn't at least make the Elite Eight with the draw that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, anything to uh, add to what uh, Josh has said here? Yeah, just looking at uh, Purdue's pods that are going to be traveling to Detroit with them, that potential second-round matchup against Butler could be pretty interesting, uh, mm-hmm. being that they're in-state rivals. They played earlier this year, but and uh, Purdue handled them pretty easily early in the year, but can't really see them getting destroyed again, being that they could make some ad- adjustments. I still see Purdue advancing – to at least a Sweet 16. I have them losing the Texas Tech there. I think Keenan Evans is one of the best players in the in the country. And uh, on, the, on the top half of that bracket, Villanova, uh, that uh, is going to get pretty much an, an easy ride to the Sweet 16 where they could meet West Virginia, which that would be a uh, good uh, guard-on-guard uh, game to watch with uh, Carter on West, on West Virginia guarding Jalen Brunson there. But uh, – mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue Villanova potential uh, Elite A or even Villanova uh, Texas Tech would be fun to watch. Yeah, I I think I, I kind of agree with uh, Josh. I think Purdue has a pretty manageable route uh, to the Elite Eight here. You know, frankly, um, Texas Tech, they're a good, solid team. I don't necessarily think they match up super, super well with Purdue, um, which is why I think I would I would pick Purdue there. And you know, just like Josh mentioned, um, I think Texas Tech is going to have to work uh, to get out of the first weekend. And, you know, every team has to. You know, there is no easy path <laughs> to the Final Four or even the Sweet 16. But, you know, Florida is more than capable of knocking off Texas Tech. Um, and certainly, you know, UCLA, if they end up getting out of, you know, the first four and the, uh, the first round there. But I just – I like Purdue's odds to make the Elite Eight. Now, I will note – Arkansas is a bit of an interesting team. They've knocked off some pretty good teams this year. You know, they beat Florida. They beat Auburn. You know, they haven't beaten anybody as good as Purdue, in my opinion. But they have knocked off some solid teams this year. You know, they're a very efficient three-point shooting team. They don't actually attempt that many uh, three-pointers. But uh, when they do, they're efficient. Um, But I I just have a hard time believing Arkansas's defense is going to be good enough to stop what is – arguably, you know, maybe the second best offense in the country, um, depending on your, you know, that's what Ken Palm thinks at least. So I do think Purdue will make it past uh, Arkansas or Butler, um, make it to the Sweet 16. And the Elite Eight, you know, the bottom line here is, you know, Villanova's awesome. I, I, they're just really, really good. In my books, they're the best team in this field. Uh, I think they're the odds-on favorite to win the national championship this year. And I just, I don't see the – the team that's going to beat them in that top half of the bracket. Um, you know, maybe Alabama pulls off some magic this weekend. It's possible. I highly doubt it. Um, you know, maybe Wichita state can do some damage, but I really think Villanova is going to have a very, very manageable route to the elite eight as well. And then, you know, it's going to come down to how well does Purdue shoot the ball from long range in that game, because um, Villanova can shoot the lights out. Their offense is phenomenal that game would be such a shootout. I would love to watch. 
Um, but really it's going to come down to that. I cannot sit here with a straight face and say, I think Purdue's a better team than Villanova. Um, but you know, this is March craziness happens. So my, my gut here says elite eight and that's the end of the run, but who knows, you know, maybe Villanova somehow gets upset, you know, maybe Purdue, uh, can use Haas, uh, as a matchup advantage, but yeah, so that's how I see the East bracket shaking out. I have Villanova, uh, advancing out of there, um, with Purdue making the elite eight, um, so moving on from that, uh, down to the Midwest, um, only one Big Ten team in this bracket as well. It's Michigan State. They're the three seed. Kansas is the one seed. Duke is the two seed. And Auburn is the four seed. Um, Josh, any thoughts regarding this bracket and specifically where Michigan State got put? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mentioned it before. Being in Detroit, being about 45 minutes or an hour from campus, uh, that's pretty darn good. Um, I've heard rumblings about Bucknell. I haven't honestly watched them play, so I can't tell you much. I know that they have a big center. Uh, last name is Fowland, who's pretty good. Um, but I can't imagine that Bucknell would be the type of team that's going to be athletic enough or have enough shooting to stay with Michigan State. Um, in the 6-11 game, uh, TCU, I think, kind of faltered down the stretch. They lost one of their guards, Jalen Fisher, uh, for the year, who was really good for them. Um, and the TCU plays either Arizona State, who I don't know how they snuck in the field since they were awful down the stretch, and Syracuse, who wasn't very good all year and only played six players. Um, I think MSU should really have no problem in Detroit getting through. Um, but then once you get once you get to Omaha, uh, I mean, I don't know. Justin, I, I'm, I'm curious, and, and I haven't watched enough Michigan State play this year. Their record says that they're 29-4, and four, but they've only beaten two – NCAA tournament teams all year. Uh, they were able to beat uh, North Carolina at the beginning of the year, and they were able to beat Purdue at home on a last-second late Miles Bridges three. Besides for that, in terms of other tournament quality tests, they got rocked on the road at Ohio State. I mean, Michigan completely dominated them at home, and Michigan dominated them in the Big Ten tournament. So I'd say against tournament tests this year, Michigan State is two and three. And their record is 29-4. and four. Um, They'll have to be two of the best five or seven teams in the country with Duke and Kansas, presumably, to make, it to, uh, to make it to San Antonio. And Kansas is playing, you know, a pseudo home game, having to play uh, one of those games, both of those games in Omaha. So, Justin, do you think that this Michigan State team is good enough and can prove that they're good enough? I haven't seen enough this year for me to believe that, one. And two – I would be nervous because Tom Izzo has no idea what his best rotation players are right now. Between <laughs> Ward and Jackson and Bridges, it's a glut in the front court. It's a mess. Xavier Tillman gets minutes. Ben Carter gets minutes. And if he can figure that out, this is the most talented and arguably could even argue NBA-laden team in the country. But it feels like watching them, Izzo is just in his own head and has no idea how to get the most out of his players. Can you explain this to me as someone who is an MSU student and watches all their games? Because I'm completely lost with them. <laughs> Justin, any, any thoughts on uh, Michigan State here? You know, they, they definitely have the talent and, and the right coach to get them to, to uh, pass, pass Duke, pass Kansas, get Kansas and get back to the Final Four. And like you said, they haven't beaten many tournament teams this this year and just watching them observing is is where I see their struggles offensively. It comes more when they're running a, a set offense when they're out when they're out in transition when they're 
out being athletes, they seem to the offense seems to flow much better. They're they're playing with more effort. It seems like, and just when when Izzo's running his sets with them, the offense seems to just become stagnant and it results in late in late shots in the shot clock. And I've been been saying that for for a couple weeks now. It just seems like teams like Kentucky and and they they run their sets like every other team, but it just seems like when the team more teams that have rosters full of four and five stars, their coaches seem to let them just be the athletes more than, than running a set offense. And it seems more often than not to, to work out more in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of uh, between both of you. I mean, I, I personally, you know, I, I don't want to regurgitate the, the Michigan versus Michigan state seeding drama and, you know, who should have gotten in Detroit, so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, Michigan State's resume from a win-loss record, you can't deny it. It's very impressive. Uh, they have no bad losses this entire season. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of shocking uh, that a team with uh, what they finished with, 29 wins, um, only beat two NCAA tournament teams all season. And, you know, part of it was the schedule. Part of it was, you know, as Josh mentioned, they missed some opportunities, you know, against Michigan, against Ohio State. Um, but it's a very odd uh, quirk there um, for the Spartans. And, you know, they're going to have to show that, hey, uh, you know, maybe that was a little bit of a fluke. We just didn't have the opportunities. Um, I think in the first weekend, I think they're absolutely going to destroy whoever they face. Um, maybe I'm wrong here, but uh, I fully expect uh, the Pizza Palace in Detroit will be like 90% Michigan State fans. I think they're going to destroy Bucknell, and I think they're going to beat whoever comes out of that TCU um, or Arizona State-Syracuse game. Um, I think they're going to get to the Sweet 16, and, and really that's, that's the part where, you know, it's to start off with, that's a tall task to try to get through Duke. And, you know, Duke is not guaranteed to get to the Sweet 16. I mean, Last year, everybody thought Duke was a sleeper, too, and, and they went down to South Carolina. But, you know, they're certainly the odds on favor to get out of that pod um, at the bottom of the Midwest, excuse me. And, you know, you start off with Michigan State already lost to Duke. Marvin Bagley did not play really in that first meeting. Duke has improved a lot since then as well. And, um, you know, Michigan State fans certainly don't want me to bring this up, but uh, Izzo doesn't exactly have a great record against Coach K uh, in the past. So I, I think you start with that. You know, that's an uphill battle. I think Michigan State certainly can do it, but that's a tough one. And then, as Josh mentioned, you know, a game against Kansas in Omaha is going to be really, really tough uh, to win. Now, you know, who knows? Maybe Kansas can go down up top. You know, we've seen Bill Self Kansas teams choke in the past, um, but. Uh, my expectations, Kansas is going to get to that elite eight round. Um, and then it's going to come down to either Duke or Michigan state uh, battling the Jayhawks. And um, for me, I, I think Duke is going to take down the Spartans. Um, I think Michigan state's more than capable of beating those two teams, but um, you know, can they resolve the turnover issues? Um, can they get that rotation down in some of these big games and avoid some of those freshman mistakes that have really plagued them this season? Um, we're going to find out very shortly, but so yeah, my, my expectation is sweet 16 for Michigan state and we'll see what happens afterward, but, uh, should be an interesting run here, um, for the Spartans. So moving on from there, uh, into the West, uh, this is the only region with two big 10 teams. 
Uh, Michigan's the three seed. Ohio State is the five seed. The one seed is Xavier. The two seed is North Carolina. And the four seed is Gonzaga. Um, Josh, uh, obviously you're a Michigan guy. Uh, any thoughts on the Wolverines? And, um, well, anything more than you've already added, I guess? And uh, what do you make of this region? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I guess I'll start with, with Ohio State. Um, they definitely got an unlucky draw. Um, they have to go all the way out to Boise, Idaho, which is, I think I wrote 2,000 miles from Columbus. Um, I don't know how many uh, Buckeye alumni there are in Boise, but I can't imagine it's too many. Uh, and South Dakota State is not close, but it's closer. Um, South Dakota State has Mike Down, who is one of the best under-the-radar players in the country. Uh, he's a 6'9 scorer. Um, I think that they were seated a little bit low last year, but a, a 5-12 upset. Uh, there's always a couple that uh, – that, that you should pick, and I definitely am all aboard this one. I think Ohio State has been struggling uh, really mightily down the stretch. Um, they're two and three in their last five games. Um, they only played one game in the Big Ten tournament and lost, so they've only played one game since uh, February 23rd, and they lost that game. So we're talking about almost a month layoff. Uh, if they are able to get by South Dakota State, I think – uh, it'll be a huge pro Gonzaga crowd uh, in mm. Boise, and uh, I don't see that ending well. Uh, Gonzaga has a couple monsters inside. I wrote about this earlier. They have Jonathan Williams, they have Killian Tilly, uh, and they have Rui Hachimura. Uh, Ohio State has the Wesson brothers, but neither of them is a particularly good matchup for any of the three aforementioned Gonzaga players, so I don't see that ending well. Uh, I think yes, so I see Ohio State's road ending in Boise. Um, but if we go down a little further and look at, at Michigan, um, I mentioned a little bit about Montana. I mean, they're a solid team. They, they won the big sky. Um, they're, they're well coached. They, they, I don't know a ton, but I know that they have a couple of good guards. Um, and then the Houston San Diego state game is interesting. Um, Houston obviously did really well in the American, uh, conference tournament, but a lot of people are already putting Houston in pen to beat San Diego state. Uh, the Aztecs are kind of a weird matchup because, they're really long and they're big. Houston doesn't have a rotation player taller than 6'8". San Diego State starts two guys over 6'10". Um, I actually think San Diego State is going to get through that one, and I actually think they're a tougher matchup for Michigan, as I mentioned, because of their size. Uh, regardless who Michigan plays, I mean, it's John Beeline, whether it's San Diego State or Houston, I don't think either team is good enough to be able to prepare for a Michigan offense with all the intricacies in 48 hours. So I like Michigan getting through. Um, I think they'll play UNC. A lot of people are, are saying that Providence or Texas A&M has a shot to beat UNC, but those games are in Charlotte, and those will be about 85 or 90% Carolina fans at those games. Those will be home games for UNC. I don't see much trouble. Um, but the Michigan-UNC game I think could be one of the best games, if not the best game of the tournament. Uh, they played earlier this year. Um, I read somewhere that Xavier Simpson wasn't the starter. Uh, John Teske wasn't dunking on people. So it's a completely <laughs> different Michigan team uh, than who we saw in Chapel Hill. Um, I think it'll, that'll be an incredible atmosphere. I think you'll have Carolina fans and Michigan fans that'll pack the Staples Center. Um, and then if you're a Michigan fan, you know, I mentioned a little bit about the top half of that region. Um, I think Gonzaga is probably the best team right now in there. 
Um, I know a lot of people aren't talking about Xavier, but they kind of struggled a bit down the stretch. They lost to Providence in the Big East semifinals. Um, And unlike previous Xavier teams, I remember when Xavier came and played at Michigan, they had a huge bruiser inside like Jalen Reynolds. Uh, This team doesn't have that. They have Tarem Cantor and Sean O'Meara that to kind of man the paint inside. But, you know, if you're, if you're Michigan, if you're uh, Gonzaga, you know, neither of those guys really scares you. Um, But I think a Michigan Gonzaga elite eight is probably what we're on a collision course for out West. Um, I mean, I think Michigan has better guards than Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's front court is better. Um, But the one thing that I wrote in my profile is Michigan will have the best player on the floor in every single game that they play in Mo Wagner. In other regions, that's not the case. I said that I thought Marvin Bagley was better. I thought DeAndre Ayton was better. Um, Even a guy like Isaac Haas, who's a different player than Wagner, can take over a game. Uh, There's no Trey Young. So knowing when you step on the floor that you have the best player on the court for every single game that you're going to play in, I mean, that's a huge advantage. There are no teams in this region that have that player and that really strike fear into me. So I would not be surprised if Michigan was the team to come out of the West. Interesting. Um, Justin, uh, your thoughts on the West region? Uh, yeah, so so I do have – I have Michigan advancing to the Final Four in, in this region. And just going from pod to pod, just looking at the top, uh, I've, seen, I've seen some – predictions just looking around over the past 24 hours of the winner of that 8-9 Missouri Florida State game can can pull off an upset against Xavier Missouri wow. with their uh with the Porter brothers and then uh Florida State has some some athletes that that could give them some trouble I don't see it happening personally but I could see that or, or I can see that being a tough game for Xavier to to get through looking at Boise uh at an Ohio State's pod uh Mike Gom is one of the most underrated players in the country, like you guys said. And I have uh, South Dakota State beating Ohio State there. And then uh, this this region definitely has probably the two hottest teams in the country with Michigan and Gonzaga. And uh, I agree. I, I have Gonzaga and Michigan in my in my Elite Eight as well. And uh, just as you said, I, I haven't finished making my bracket completely. And uh, just looking at that Houston-San Diego State game, now, I watched a little bit of the Mountain West uh, Conference Tournament, not not a whole lot, but the one game I watched completely was uh, the game where San Diego State uh, dominated Nevada, and they like you like you said they have uh, a couple players who can who can give some teams some trouble with Malik Pope and uh, Trey Kell, so that I wouldn't fully pencil Houston into the second round either, and uh, Michigan looking looking into the Sweet 16 with Michigan and potentially North Carolina having that and that being one of uh, the better games in the tournament. Uh, I see Michigan defensively with Xavier Simpson. He's dom- he's pretty much shut down some of the best point guards that college basketball has to offer in the past week with uh, Cassius Winston and then Carson Edwards. And I could see him doing the same thing against Joel Berry. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, uh, a lot of us are, are on the same page here as far as the overall bracket, you know, looking at the top half um, with Xavier and Ohio state, I'm not a huge believer in Xavier. I think they're going to make the sweet 16 just because I mean, they're a one seed. You should make the sweet 16. Um, but 
I, I like Gonzaga out of the top half. I'm, I'm with you guys. I think Gonzaga has a, a really nice team. They're efficient on both sides of the ball. Um, and frankly, I just, I don't think Xavier's that good And Ohio state, uh, Josh, I'm, I'm with you. I think I have them picked to go down in the first round. Um, and even if Ohio state does advance there, I mean, that, that game is going to be all Gonzaga fans. I would have to think, uh, up in Boise. And I just, they played earlier this season. Gonzaga handled Ohio state pretty easily. I would expect the same thing's going to happen here. So I have Gonzaga out of the top. The bottom half is far more interesting. And I do want to bring up a couple interesting stats I've seen recently. So uh, for those who listen to this, they know I am obsessed with advanced stats. Um, Ken Palm is kind of my go-to, but T-Rank, which is sort of the Pepsi to Coke comparison, um, is another great site I like to look on. And um, he lets you separate like custom uh, splits. So if you look from February 7th through today, um, which is roughly a month or so of games, a little bit more. Um, the most efficient team in the country has been Michigan. Um, number five is Houston. Um, they are both in the same pod, uh, which is insane. <laughs> and I think they're both going to play this weekend. I do not have San Diego State upset in Houston. Um, I, I really like them as a team. They're another one that, that's pretty balanced. And they ha- they're tough-nosed defensively. Um, I, I do agree to an extent. I think Michigan's a tough matchup for them. Um, with Xavier Simpson on Rob Gray, I think that's a matchup that can favor Michigan because Gray's such a big part of their offense. He takes uh, 29.5% of their shots while on the floor. But Houston's a tough defensive team um, with Michigan's free throw shooting issues. I do think that's a game that will be very tight till the end because of both teams' defensive play. And um, I, I think that's one that could very easily uh, swing either way. Um, and then under them, North Carolina is another one of those teams that is in the top 10 nationally in efficiency over this last month. Um, I have North Carolina advancing out of this, uh, the bottom half. I have Gonzaga, North Carolina in the Elite Eight um, with uh, uh, North Carolina advancing to the Final Four. Um, but that bottom half, it, it may not look at uh, to a lot of people, but I think that is one of the toughest um, halves of a region anywhere in, in the, the bracket. Um, I know a lot of people keep viewing the West as weak, which I think to an extent is true because I think Xavier's the weakest one seed, but um, man, that bottom half of the bracket has a lot of teams that uh, people don't want to see, but um, I do want to move on finally to the South region which has no big 10 teams. Um, so I don't necessarily want to spend as much time on it, but um, Josh, any, any quick thought or two about this region? Yeah. Um, this feels like the most top heavy, bottom heavy split of any of the regions that I've seen <laughs> um, going into the tournament. I wasn't sold on a team like Nevada because they don't really have any bigs uh, and they play about seven guys after looking at this part. I mean, you could convince me Nevada could make the Elite Eight. Tennessee could make the Elite Eight. Uh, Cincinnati is the favorite to make the Elite Eight. Uh, Hell, even Loyola, Illinois. I mean, it's not like they're playing world beaters. Um, I mean, and the top. So so I don't know who's going to make it out of that. Um, I mean, I guess right now if I had to pick, I would go with – I don't even like Cincinnati. I might go with Nevada, to be honest. I love their scoring. They have four high major guys. 
that start. The Martin twins have been playing out of their mind. If you can't tell them apart, you are not alone. I think they do that purposely. Kendall Stevens, who was at Purdue in about 2009, is shooting the heck out of the ball for them. Uh, and they have a transfer, Hallis Cook, from Iowa State. So I'm going to go with Nevada on the bottom. On the top, it kind of feels like you have a mini Sweet 16 up there. Um, so much for UVA being the number one overall seed. They're going to have to play presumably Kentucky or Arizona in the Sweet 16. Um, and then I think if they're a, the winner of that game can beat the winner of the bottom half of the South region by 15 or 20 points. Um, right now I'm going with Arizona. Uh, I don't think that UVA has anybody inside that can deal with DeAndre Aiden. Um, I think that Kentucky-Arizona game, I cannot believe that's around a 32 game because that game is going to be unbelievable. Uh, you know, you could have seven, eight, nine NBA players on the floor at the same time. Um, but I don't think UVA has played a team athletically. Even a team like Duke, I don't think athletically is in the same world as Arizona with Aiden and Ristich and Trier and a bunch of the guys that they bring off the bench. Uh, so I'm going to go Arizona and Nevada to play in Atlanta. And I think that Arizona is going to be making it through to San Antonio. Hmm. Um, Justin, uh, your thoughts on the South region? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty close in in, uh, in thinking there. I have Virginia and Tennessee in my lead eight, with Virginia moving on to San Antonio. And uh, just as you said, how cool is it that Arizona and Kentucky's a second round game, but just looking at that region and, I don't know, just trying to pick out maybe uh, other than Loyola. I have Loyola beating uh, Loyola, Chicago, Chicago being my, beating Miami. That's my big upset in that region. But I've seen talk about potential Davidson over Kentucky uh, upset, with that being the 5-12. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too big on that idea, the way Kentucky just rolled through the SEC tournament. And having the SEC being, being that kind of being the strongest it's been in, quite a while uh, and if they are able to get uh, Jared Vanderbilt back as well that will just boost their boost their uh, their uh, depth so see, have that be a potential upset I just don't see that happening but all in all I got Virginia coming out of that one um, yeah I mean I'll be totally honest with you guys this is by far the toughest region I, I was trying to break yeah. through uh I'm not I'm not a big believer in Virginia and frankly I know they have the uh the numbers to back it up but I don't know how anybody can say with a straight face they trust Virginia right now. I mean, I know you're not supposed to judge a team based on last years, but let's be honest, uh they've kind of choked it up uh over the last decade or so. Um and I I think it's a stylistic thing. I don't think it's a well, this specific player didn't play well. I think it really does have to do with that slow pace they play. Um, but that aside, um, I don't really like Cincinnati either. But, you know, like Josh was saying, you know, with the bottom with Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada, I mean, who in that bottom half of the region really scares you that much? I mean, Tennessee, Nobody. I don't know. Yeah, they've been, they've been good, but I don't know. They, they haven't impressed me that much. Miami's shorthanded now. Um I mean, Nevada and Texas are low seeds for a reason. Um, you know, I, I had Cincinnati. Um, I actually picked them to the Elite Eight, and not necessarily because I love them, but because I wasn't confident in anyone else uh, to pick far down. So I said, screw it, I'll go with Cincinnati. Um, in the top half, um, 
I'm still debating it, but I honestly think whoever wins that Kentucky-Arizona game is going to the Elite Eight uh, out of there. Um, right now, I would say Kentucky, but very tight. I mean, both teams very talented. Both have played a little better here down the stretch. I think both of those teams are more than capable of the Final Four, and frankly, I kind of expect whoever wins that game to end up in the Final Four. But, yeah, this region is fascinating to me. I don't think – and Virginia is obviously the odds-on favorite as the one seed, but I do not – excuse me, I do not think they're an overwhelming favorite uh, at all. Um, so, yeah. So, overall, I think that's our uh, our bracket here. You know, we didn't go through every game, but uh, a pretty good overview. Um, I think we talked about the Final Four – um, let's just get it quick on the record. Uh, who do you have in the final four and who do you have uh, winning the national championship? If you have picked that so far, um, Josh, we'll start with you. Um, I guess we'll go. Uh, we'll start in the South. I have Arizona coming out in the West, a bit of a biased pick, but I love Michigan. Um, I think they're good enough to do it. Uh, in the Midwest, I'm going to go with Duke. Um, I think that Duke-Kansas game is going to be incredible. Um, but I don't know how healthy Azubuki is, and Duke has two seven-footers. Kansas barely has one. Uh, so give me Duke in that one. I think they're extremely talented. Uh, and in the East, I'm going to go with Villanova. Um, I think Villanova and Pittsburgh is going to be an unbelievable game. But unfortunately, Matt Painter has choked too many times with rosters this talented uh, and I don't see him making it through. Um, I guess uh, I guess it would be Arizona and Michigan. Um, I love Michigan, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to stay with Aiton and Ristich. That might be a game where you see Teske and Wagner on the floor together. We saw that for four minutes in Madison, and to put it politely, it was a disaster. So I don't see that working out. Um, and then in the e- and then you have Villanova and Duke. Um, I like Duke's size. Um, I, I think Duke is really good. I, I, I think that they have the horses. Um, oh, and then I don't know. Between Duke and Arizona, it's like having to pull teeth figuring it out. Um, I don't know. I guess right now I, I might go back and change, but I guess Duke. Um, I mean, they have the talent. They have unbelievable guard play. They have a senior guard in Grayson Allen who, when he's not tripping people, uh, really is scoring the ball well. Uh, and they have, you could argue, along with eight and the best player in the country in Marvin Dagley. Uh, so I, I think the two best players in the country will meet in the championship, and I like Duke over Arizona. Okay. Uh, Justin, how about you? So I have Virginia coming out of the south, and I have them in the final four taking on Michigan from the west. And on the other side, I have Villanova coming out of the east, and then Duke coming out of the Midwest. And uh, I have Virginia and Duke advancing to the national championship with uh, Duke winning it all as well. I think uh, the X factor for the Blue Devils is Grayson Allen. And just like you said, uh, his last four games, just looking at his stats real quick, he has scored 22 points in their uh, regular season finale at Virginia Tech. And then his three games in the ACC tournament – or sorry – Two games in the uh, ACC tournament were 23 points against Notre Dame and 16 points against North Carolina. There, his regular season finale was actually home against North Carolina. He had 15 points there. So 22, 15, 23, and 16 in his four games. And if he's shooting the way he is shooting combined with Bagley and Wendell Carter Jr., 
that's that's pretty tough to beat. So I've I've the Blue Devils winning it. Okay, I have. Um, let's see. I'll start with the the South. Um, I have Kentucky coming out of the South, as I mentioned. I'm still wrestling with who I'm going to pick out of there, but I have Kentucky at the moment. Um, in the West, I have North Carolina, uh, as I mentioned. I could see a couple teams coming out of that bracket, but I do have the Tar Heels as of now. In the Midwest, I have Kansas, and the first byproduct of that is I think they have the easiest route um, to the Elite Eight of anyone in that region, and then you add in that the Elite Eight game is going to be in Omaha. Um, I, I just I think the Jayhawks will be too much there. And then in the East, um, I love Villanova. I, I think they have a great team this year, and I have Villanova making it out of that bracket um, with a win over Purdue in the Elite Eight. In the championship rounds, um, I have Villanova. I, I think they're the best team, and for me, ultimately, that, that's what I'm going to pick on this. Um, so I, I have the Wildcats uh, winning it all. But with that, um, I think we'll call it a night. Um, Josh and Justin, um, we'll start with Josh, but any final thoughts here on the, the tournament, the seeding, the Big Ten, or anything you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the games getting started. I think it's going to be, like every year, an unbelievable tournament. Um, I also think we're going to see a lot of chalk. Um, I, I, we mentioned a couple upsets. Um, I'm interested to see, um, for example, how Ohio State plays. Um, but I'm also curious, too, to see Kansas. I think Clemson is really overrated and clung on to a five-seed. Auburn clung on to a four-seed. Whoever Kansas is going to play, my guess is they should have three straight double-digit victories to get to the Elite Eight. Um, I don't know how difficult Duke's games are going to be, so I'm now kind of going back on whether I think I think Duke's going to win. Um, and Michigan. You know, this Michigan team is the best defensive team that John Beeline has ever, ever had. They're unbelievable rebounding. Defense travels. Can Michigan do it? Can they, can they beat a team like UNC and or Xavier or Gonzaga to make the Final Four? I think yes, but who knows. <laughs> uh, Justin, any final thoughts? Uh, just one, one final thought. Final thought. Uh, just with these bubble teams that came into the tournament, like Oklahoma, Syracuse, Arizona State, uh, I don't think these teams should be counted out right away, especially Oklahoma. With If Trey Young, he can't do it by himself. We've seen it over the last month that he can't. But if he's shooting like he was at the beginning of the year, that's going to be a tough out for Duke. And then even for Michigan State, with, with a second-round matchup against Arizona State or Syracuse, we saw Jim Beheim do this with Syracuse two years ago, being one of the mm-hmm. last teams in the field and then going going to the Final Four. He had help from Middle Tennessee, uh, of course, but uh, but he still got his team to the Final Four, being one of the last teams in. And then some people might forget that Arizona State was, I think, ranked second in the country at one point this year. And they have wins over Kansas and Xavier. So as much as I'd like to think Michigan State is going to roll to Omaha uh, in a match for a matchup against Duke, that a potential matchup against either Arizona State or Syracuse is, is something to to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know if I have any final thoughts to add, uh, but I do agree with Josh. I think this could be a big year of chalk just because I think the teams that are, uh, you know, the one, twos, and three seeds are just really solid this year. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Um Josh, uh, where can people check out you and your stuff? Yeah, uh, I'm all over BT Powerhouse. I actually broke down the West region today. 
Um, I went a little bit more in-depth on some of the teams that I did here. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at jmstern23, uh, and you can find me on the BT Powerhouse podcast whenever Thomas invites me. (laughs) Uh, Justin, how about you? Uh, I'm also on the Powerhouse. I've done most of my coverage uh, for what we learn after games. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well at jbs3498. And uh, if I'm invited back, uh, I'd be happy to join the podcast as well. Absolutely. Uh, Well, with that, we're going to call it a night. Uh, My name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host, as always. You can follow me on Twitter at tbendit. Strongly encourage everyone to check out BT Powerhouse this week. We have coverage on every team making it. Uh, We also have some coverage on the NIT, which um, I'm hoping to address uh, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Um, A lot of NCAA stuff going on right now, but um, we'll see you all next time. Thanks, guys.